This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Jeremy, it's really, really good hey. to see you. Um, uh, I'm coming yes. to you from a very different place. My my background does not look like my work from home office. Right. Um, I'm, there's no bed back there that we're not looking at. Not, not that I know of. I have not gone behind this wall. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I'm coming to you all from uh, the Perkins School for Youth Ministry, which takes place at the Perkins campus uh, on uh, Southern Methodist University's campus in Dallas, Texas. And uh, everybody has been very good about uh, social distancing and and masking up when you're close to someone else. Um, and it's been really cool to be in the same place as youth ministers that like I would see on an annual basis mm-hmm. and haven't seen for like a year and a half or two years. So yeah, I'm missing that. I'm missing seeing those people. Yeah, it, it's reminding me of of the value of some of those in person relationships and the the mm-hmm. stuff that you can laugh at in between meetings. You know, because <laughs> right. um, when you do the Zoom, like you wave goodbye and that's yeah, it. You like, don't get to process. Bye guys, but, and then you're. Um, but yes, I'm I'm on the third floor of Highland Park United Methodist Church, uh, which is the home of the George W. and Laura Bush Family Confirmation Center, which was put together two years ago. So. Um, awesome. Confirmation is a really big deal at Highland Park UMC, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And, and I love to see churches that invest uh, heavily in youth ministry and in staff and volunteers to serve those youth. So anyway, yeah. um, all that said, it's our second week of talking trips and retreats. Yes, um, trips and week, retreats. Yes, we started with really spending time on starting with your why. You know, why yeah. do you want to do these things in the first place? Because they take extra time, they take extra money, they take extra effort. And today we want to get into the nitty gritty of like really helping you plan and do great. Right. Absolutely. And it, it really, I I feel like, and this is the, one of the rookie mistakes, right? That the thing that people don't realize they do wrong until something disastrous happens. So just learn from other people's mistakes. You, some people will start the whole trips and retreats process planning a trip, getting the location, signing the contracts, doing all the things, recruiting kids even, and then start getting their volunteers. And that is a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> really, as far as I'm concerned, we don't register a kid without knowing the leaders that are going to be there. Right. Because the way safe sanctuaries works or your uh, health and safety policy, um, there's usually a ratio. Right. You have to have this many adults per kid. And so what we end up doing um, is we say, okay, we've got five adults. We have a one to 10 ratio in our policy. That means we could take up to 50 kids. Right. And then we sort of go from there. But you, you, you can't you just can't start taking registrations without knowing you're going to have adults here. Otherwise you're going to get to the end and you're going to be like, well, like me, we did that. And I looked at my roster. It was in the middle of summer and I looked at my roster and I had way more kids than I thought. Cause we had left the registration open while we were at camp and the other thing. And we came back and, uh, and we were scrambling because all these kids had signed up. And 
at the last minute, I mean, really like the day before we got another um, woman to go with us. She had never gone on a youth retreat, but she had been background checked and done the safe sanctuary policy stuff. And, and she had never slept anywhere but a house in her hotel. Mm. And we were going on a mission trip where we slept on the floor of a church. And then afterwards we were going to a retreat center that didn't have, it was one of those like old school where it's it's in the mountains. So they don't have to have air conditioning or, you know, insulation. There's just like, like plywood planks mm-hmm. for you to, and a mattress on top. And she had no idea what hit her. She was taking these funny pictures to send all of her friends of <laughs> like her standing, like in front of the place where she was sleeping because she's like, nobody will ever believe this. Yeah. Can't do that. Really quickly. Tell me, did she come back and ever do any more stuff with your youth ministry? No. Okay. But <laughs> she, well, she had a good time yeah. in that thing, but it was, it was a hard trip. And every time she'd see me, she'd be like, Jeremy, oh, hey, are you taking the kids to, to sleep on the floor anytime soon? I'll come. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but it was so much fun. Uh, there's a couple of pieces that um, that story is really helpful for talking about that prep. One of them is like the capacity issues, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are going to a place that's got a limited number of beds, Right. Counting those adults first and knowing where they're going to stay, that should also be part of your safe sanctuaries policy, Huge. right? Um, so by doing volunteers first and knowing the support that you have, you are going to line up the correct number of beds and you're not going to give away more space than you actually have, which is a big one. Um, another one, which is great from that story actually is uh, it's it's fortunate that you had in your ministry model background checks and training going on right? because you really could not bring an adult who has not been background checked and has not right. had, you know, some of the basic trainings that safe sanctuaries recommends for risk reduction, but also just like getting used to, this is what it means to be a volunteer in our youth ministry. And so it's awesome mm-hmm. that you had that process in place. And so you could kind of get this emergency fill in. Right. right. Um, right. But if, if you're planning with adults in mind first and getting those volunteers and that support, do some training and some prep with them for the retreat, you know, so that you can share, mm-hmm. this is why this retreat is happening. This is, how we're going to go about the things we want to accomplish on the retreat or you know what this this is the this is the model of the mission trip if, if we're doing short-term missions this is what this is going to look like so that you can prepare yourself and do some of your own research about here's where i'm going to be sleeping oh here's where the coffee shop is so that i don't have to drink the the coffee right. that you know they're going to brew for me during the trip i can sneak out and get 10 minutes of like personal time while i get coffee out somewhere um so starting yeah. with the volunteers is a huge one and i think when you're talking about that training, most of these uh, health and safety policies like safe sanctuaries um, have a requirement for regular training, right? You, you've got to be trained at one point, but then like every, I don't know, three years, four years, you've got to go through some sort of retraining. And this is another thing that can really help you with that process. Um, because if you will just add the retrain, which is usually briefer, right? Much more simple than the than the initial one to your volunteer meeting for the um, for your trips and retreats. Uh, you will cycle through most of those people 
before it's time for them to be required to be trained again. And so um, that can be really helpful. And it, for me, it's always important to just say, hey, guys, we're going to safe sanctuary. Remember safe sanctuaries. All of the things in our safe sanctuaries apply, don't really apply to this retreat. But here are the things. We are in cabins. So here's this rule and this rule and this rule, right? And, uh, you know, don't forget two people, two unrelated adults, all of that. Um, and which if you continually do it, all of a sudden that requirement of those health and safety policies is met automatically just by people continuing to be regular part of your ministry. Yeah, that, that's a really, really great point. And uh, like we've mentioned several times, trips and retreats are special occasions, right? So you may have rules and guidelines that don't apply normally, but because you do have overnight sleeping, that's a great example to be able to bring up. Um, yeah. and, and if you're in a place that you're not familiar with the you know community or the area that you're in, that you know never being alone, that two or three person rule ends up being one that you'd probably want to highlight in those things as well. Right. And let's just be clear, Trips and retreats are the really probably the highest risk for you as a ministry in the safe sanctuaries policy, the health and the safety. Um, I taking that person at the last minute was what had to happen. But I'll be honest, um, if you have any reservations, if you have any weirdness about one of your volunteers, um, you got to be really careful inviting them on a retreat. If if they have violated boundaries, if they've if they're constantly just full on hugging students and all of that kind of stuff, you you got to really just think about it because this is the place where it is really really easy for someone to push those boundaries and for abuse and um, and things to happen. Uh, so. You've got to be careful. You've got to be vigilant when you're at the retreat. Um, you don't have to be a, a cop all the time, but you need to be paying attention when you when you leave the the cabin, right? Is there another adult in there by themselves? Like, watch everybody. Pay attention, not just to the spiritual things. That's important, but you also really, really have to have to pay attention to the health and safety stuff because this is people are changing clothes, they are taking showers, they are sleeping, right? All of these things are things that don't happen on a normal week, probably in your youth ministry, um, but present real risk uh, for you on this retreat. I think the last thing I'll add to this before we shift into like scheduling and calendar stuff, um, you know, it's also the travel piece, right? That yeah. if your policy's got, um, you know, guidelines for what it means to drive youth um, right. and you've got more participants than fit in the church van, or, or if you um, are in multiple vehicles, you know, make sure that you go over driving rules and go in the speed limit yeah. and you're only seating as many kids in a car as there are seatbelts, right? Like, right. You need to be able to meet those kind of legal requirements. And, and if we're talking about like um, fails or slight horror stories from uh, mission trips or retreats, um, I, I was in local church youth ministry in Colorado, and we had a church bus that was a diesel. And, yeah. and um, we went up for a, a retreat, and it was a ski retreat up in the mountains, and we got this just tremendous cold snap. And um, diesel engines have glow plugs in them, right? Like you can't start them cold. They don't have spark plugs like a, 
regular gas car engine. So those glow plugs turn on to warm up the fuel to then let your engine turn over and the bus froze. It would not start. What does that mean? I've never uh, lived in a place like uh, that. The, the, um, the engine just simply could not start because the diesel fuel and oil mixture that was in the engine was frozen. And it like could actually never, it, like it could free it, it, it enough that the engine won't turn over and start driving. So we go to leave on Sunday morning at the end of the ski retreat. And I've got a bus that seats 35 and I can't get anybody home. <laughs> and it was like, well, gee, everybody, what do we do now? You know, <laughs> and we're a good three to three and a half hours from the church. And um, I mean, there were fortunately several adults that had been through our training and, and parents that could come pick up kids and then like do a whole choo-choo train to get everybody back. But then at some point later, I had to go back to the retreat facility after it warmed up enough to go get the bus. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, it turned into this just nutty adventure. It was ridiculous. Um, so, okay. So scheduling and calendaring. Um, yeah. We separate those in the crash course because they are two very specific things that you do with mm -hmm. a trip or a retreat. When we say yep. calendar, um, I think that means we're looking at big picture stuff. Like when you are right. figuring out when to offer something that's overnight or multiple days or a week, you need to look at what's going on with schools. You need to look at go what's going on in the community calendar. Um, you had better check the overall church calendar um, to make yeah. sure that you are not creating a conflicting event or doing anything that would steal energy or thunder from something that other church staff are doing, uh, or that the senior pastor really wants other energy to be behind, right? Right. Um, and unless you grew up in the community, I find that this is where a parent committee is like the most helpful thing, right? To show them your dates and say, hey, look at this. We're the you know, in, in our community, there is this like cute little Christmas parade that is apparently employs half of the teenagers in the city in its operation. Right. But I, I just moved here. Right. So I didn't I didn't know it's a Christmas parade in every other city I've been in didn't matter at all. But here. Uh, we talked about scheduling something on the, you know, the the youth Christmas party on this week, and they're like, "Well, you're not going to want to do that week because that's the the Christmas parade." And we're like, "What <laughs> Christmas?" And they're like, "Oh, no, no, it's a thing here." And I went to it this year, and yes, it was a thing. It was a thing. Uh huh. It was a thing, and, and you know, but that's the kind of stuff, and it's stuff yeah. that like it it might not be a school calendar, right? You check all the school calendars, or you know, it might be like prom isn't always scheduled on the school calendar, right? It, that's not always, sometimes that happens later. And then you find out from all the parents, oh, there's prom that night. Um, and that's a, a huge thing. So um, making sure that you pass your dates, not just by the things that you can find online, mm -hmm. but by some, by some parents of different age students so that you can figure out, oh, okay, uh, this is the crazy band competition weekend or whatever. Um, and we've got half our group is in the band right now. Yeah. And, and this gets to the point of, you know, being able to plan these things enough in advance that you've yeah. got time for those conversations, right? Yeah. Um, this is where it, it really is helpful to spend time in some of the administrative stuff where you can be six months ahead or nine months ahead or, you know, because again, mm -hmm. these things are extra effort on behalf of you, but also extra effort on behalf of the families that are going to be involved. So yep. getting it on the calendar is a big one. Um, yeah. And I, I can tell you that I've, I've had friends 
in ministry that have not done that work. And all of a sudden they signed a contract with some conference. They were going to bring some number of kids sure. and it comes a couple of months ahead of time. And they realize there's a huge conflict and they're not going to be able to meet their numbers, but they signed this contract that said they're, they're in for half of the registration for all the kids, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they've got a financial disaster. Absolutely. Um, the other one that we mentioned is scheduling and we separate schedule from calendar because schedule is like the daily thing. It is the rhythm that you want the event to take place in. Um, and there's a couple of things I'm particularly passionate about. Um, one (laughs) of them is the wake up time. Okay. Um, Yes. Let's talk about that. Um, and how you wake, wake up teenagers that enjoy sleeping in. Um, why do we have to wake up at six in the morning? You don't on a retreat. You really don't. No, Eight. you don't. That's okay. You can have breakfast at a reasonable time. Um, and if the camp says, I'm sorry, we only serve breakfast until six, you can get donuts. It's fine. There would be an out. Absolutely. Um, also, if you are staying somewhere that's providing the meals, um, have the conversation with the kitchen staff and the organizers. Yep. Because um, if they say breakfast is served till six and your whole group shows up at 557, um, Mm-mm. That's not what they're thinking, and it's nope. not going to be good for anybody. Um, the other one is like, you know, actually being able to schedule some downtime and being very intentional with when the day ends. Um, mm-hmm. Teenagers need their sleep. Uh, yes. Adults need their sleep too. Um, yes. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get into the device conversation about, you know, like, do you keep devices during trips and retreats? Because there's a ton of different um, opinions oh, on yeah. that one for sure. Uh, but one thing for sure is certainly like, having a time when devices are off and bedtime is bedtime. Like the lights go off. We expect you to sleep. And I don't expect to have to fight the battles of getting people back into their rooms and um, stopping pranks between different cabins or different groups or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So when you're building the schedule, figure out when you as the leader want the quiet time to be. And if that's nine 30, that's okay. If it's 10 o'clock, that's okay. Um, and I love over the years, there have been several camps that I've used that the camp itself has a quiet t- moment. Like when you have, cause there's normally staff that like live on the <laughs> grounds. And so, you know, sometimes it's 10 30, sometimes it's 11, but that's like, you have to be in your cabins. And I love that because <laughs> it's a feature for me because I can say to the kids, Hey guys, camp doesn't allow us out after this after this time i'm not the bad guy that's just what happens when we come to camp and uh that's huge you know chris when you talk about scheduling downtime um normally uh as the youth worker you are gonna be the last person one of the last people to go to bed and so you've got to you've got to calculate that like if you're telling all the kids they have to go to sleep at midnight. You're not going to be in bed till one. Like that's, that's the way it is. And if something happens, I, I don't know why it happens at 1159, <laughs> right? It always happens. The, so, some kid goes up to the counselor and says, I think he's, I think he's got pot in his back, right? At 1159. And then they call you, right? So keep that in mind, which, which means I generally, um, would we would schedule free time in the middle of of any any full day there would be several hours of free time and my uh my tendency i love a party 
would be to go and free time with all of the kids for years and years and years. And I get to the end of these retreats, I'd be exhausted, no sleep, all of that. So what I, I made a, an agreement with myself that free time, half of free time is for me to chill out. Yeah. Right. And so I would, at the beginning of free time, it's like at the end of the day, your people are going to come up to you. There's going to be things. So the first quarter of free time was not free time for me. Then I would go and, and here's the thing I would always find at the retreat center, even if I wasn't staying in it, we, I would ask them for a, a room that was, that had a bathroom and shower in it. Sometimes it was the speaker's cabin or whatever. Yeah. And that would be my space. And during that free time, I would go in there by myself. I would, I would take a shower during that time to just relax and defunct for the day. And then normally I would try to take at least a 20 minute nap. Sure. Um, and, and then I, when I was done with, when that, that, that 50% of free time was over, I'd get up, leave and last quarter of free time, I'd be doing the other stuff, but you've got to find time to recharge and to not have somebody saying your name. Yes. Um, that is so important. It, you will, you will uh, let down your guard with health and safety things. You will let down your guard with spiritual things. You will do all kinds of stuff uh, because you're tired. When you're tired, you're not best. So you got to have some time to recharge. You know, and, and that really gets back to sort of where we started with the parents and the volunteers and the support as well, because mm -hmm. when you schedule these things, you really should not, as the leader, schedule yourself to be responsible for all the things. Yes. It, it's, it's just gonna, it's gonna burn you out. It's gonna, it's just gonna crush you after a while. Um, mm -hmm. and actually the, the way that it might make sense to maybe close our conversation today. Um, and this is a pivot. I hope you're ready. Ooh, um, I'm ready. Yes. Good. You turned both directions. You are ready. Both, I'm ready. Yes. Um, so <laughs> coming back from a trip or a retreat, when somebody's like, how was your vacation? And you're like, Okay, listen here. Don't choke them first. I have been working for 72 hours straight. And because I took too much on and I didn't get enough sleep and I didn't da 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 da. Part of the scheduling in the calendar of that retreat time is some like processing and unwind time for yourself when you get back. Yes. You can't just jump back into the regular rhythm of ministry life or anything like that. Right. You need time for yourself. You need time for your family. You need time for your friends. Um, so when yeah, you're, coming, you're back, coming back on a Sunday, and all the kids are in the bus and they're like, oh, can we please have youth group? Can we please have youth group when we get back? We will all come to youth group. Even though we're going to be so tired when we get home, we're going to fall asleep for 72 hours. Please, please. You're going to say no. No, you have to say no. It's no, very important. You can't that you no. do that. You really can't. And um, I, I don't know if you've got any like really great tips for how you have that conversation with a staff person that might, because uh, at my church, our staff meetings were always on Tuesdays because most mm -hmm. of the church would take Monday off right after having right. The, the big long Sunday. And I appreciated that because I was often there the latest on Sunday nights. Um, right. So, but like if we had a retreat, you know, we'd be clocking in Tuesday morning and especially after mission trips, if I was gone for a week, they'd be like, okay, so you feeling all rested up? <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with you. So I don't know if you got any good hints for like things to say or not. Uh, 
Well, it depended on how tired I was. <laughs> so I, I remember a specific one of these because there was a, a guy that would do that all the time. Mm. And he, I was like dead tired. And it was a summer one where you've got like four days. So I took a couple of days off, but that meant I had now two days to get ready for the next thing. Absolutely. And he right. came into staff meeting and he said that. And I looked up with him and I said, I am too tired to respond to you right now. <laughs> we can talk when I get back from the next trip. And I like, I, it was something in my eyes that he like, it really bothered him so much that when I got back from the, from the next trip, he came and apologized to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I am sure like I was dead tired because the, bus had broken down and all of the things. And he came in and I was like, I just can't even today. Uh, I, and I think, I think being honest with people is, is helpful, but not being mean or rude, but just being like, I am too tired to be nice to you is a really great <laughs> response. It, it works for me. And I got me an apology out of the deal. The, the, the two, I think, I don't know, at least ones that have stuck in my mind the most. Um, mm -hmm. One of them was from that very, very tired place where mm -hmm. I think my response was, listen, we are, we are Christian together and we are on staff. And so I have to love you, but I really <laughs> don't like you right now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I really don't like that question. The, the less tired response that I think I'm still really proud of was like, you know, if, if that's what you think the trips are about, I would love you to come on the next one. Oof. And I only, I think, had maybe three people take me up on it. But for those people who did take me up on it, right, like it, it's sort of a chance to showcase the experience that you're putting together. And, and it does a couple of good things. One, it builds relationships between another church staff member and the youth uh, and the families that are on that trip mm -hmm. Two, um, it gives another staff member a window into how challenging youth ministry can be, um, yep. and, and the stresses of a special event, like a trip or a retreat. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then three, you know, it, if no matter if it's a positive or a, or a very tough experience for that person who came, you sort of have another person that's in the know when they get yeah. back to church. And so you end up sort of having this other champion on your behalf. That's like, no, you know what? Jeremy does need three days off or Chris needs, it's not part of his <laughs> yeah. like package for like vacation yeah, days yeah. or whatever. But when Chris comes back from one of these things, like we got to be able to give him like five it's days, comp time. Him something it's, it's got to be comp time. Um, yeah. And so it was helpful for those three people that took me up on it, but it's, it's amazing what happens when you issue a friendly invitation. Like, yeah. Yeah, come with me on the next one. I'd love to have you there. And, uh, you know, what I found the most effective is not in the, those responses, but actually <clears throat> when you're getting ready for the trip and you are in your staff meeting and you're always going to say, pray for the trip, right? I would always say, pray for our, our kids and our adults and our staff, because it is nonstop. We wake up at five in the morning and we don't go to bed till midnight or one. And, uh, and the whole time we're being, we're being nice to teenagers. Right. And, you know, I'll, I'd say those things so that I'm sort of, I'm all, I really, we are really are asking for prayer for that, but, but I'm also sort of setting the, Oh, that's, that does sound hard. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> 
here's the window into what exactly we're doing. Yeah. 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 Well, trips and retreats are, you know, a big enough part of both youth and young adult ministries really um, that I think we're going to spend one more week on it. So our our recharge next week, I think we're going to talk a little bit about creating some buy-in and maybe some marketing stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. as well as like evaluating what you actually did with all that extra effort. And that is so important. All of yeah. that. Yeah. So you're not going to make good. it without the marketing and you're not going to make it better without the evaluation. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, thanks as always. I hope that uh, you have an incredible week and we'll see you on the 20th. See ya.